There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have a car stop in town at Grant's microbiter. We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, retired with 27 years on the NYPD out of Manhattan North Homicide Squad. This serial killer pattern in Stockton, California, is very, it's a very interesting case. Um, I think one of the problems with these serial killer or these pattern cases is that the people at the top, they don't want to admit that they have a problem, that they have a pattern and that they have put it together and they're working on it. They, In this instance, they have a task force. In this task force, they have the ATF, the DEA, uh, Highway Patrol and Stockton Police Department. And I'm sure if necessary, they can bring the FBI in. And this task force meets twice a day. So do you think they're taking this pretty damn seriously? Yeah, I think so. They've just admitted to the fact. Now, they have seven instances. Uh, they have seven occurrences. And they have they have just admitted to the fact, and there's the dates up there of the seven. One, two, three, four, five, six. There's seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, six of the victims were killed. One of them was shot six times, a female victim, but she lived. And the first two instances, if you look at them all the way on the left of your screen, April 10th, 2021, uh, a 40-year-old Hispanic male, and April 16th, 2021, a 46-year-old Hispanic female. They sort of described her as a female black the first time I'm actually seeing that they said Hispanic female. But one of the things that I found a little bit disturbing is the chief um, of, of the Stockton Police Department, uh, he wasn't ready to say that if the pattern, the obvious things that he should be telling the public, his name is Stanley McFadden. That's the name of the chief. I'm going to put him on in a few minutes. But it's obviously the shooter is targeting male Hispanics and for the most part, homeless people, but they're not forthcoming. Uh, at least Stanley McFadden wasn't forthcoming just recently. He's been forthcoming and they admit that all seven instances, the ballistic matches, the ballistic hits on all seven shootings. Why didn't they come out and say that? That's an important thing. It's the same gun. Therefore, guess what? It's probably the same shooter. 99% uh, chance it's the same shooter. I don't know why they didn't just come out and say that. All the ballistics matches, and we're looking at it being the same perpetrator. Uh, Chief McFadden should have said that. He sort of pussyfooted around it. It's all a serial killer. That's how we're going to treat it as such. Um, at this time, we don't know if it's a person or persons. As I said before, we have absolutely no evidence that connects a person or persons to any of these incidences. That's ridiculous. That is the most ridiculous statement I've ever heard from police personnel. We have no evidence. You have seven ballistics hits, hits on seven different shootings. If you've been around policing for a while, that tells you it's the same gun. And usually it's the same person shooting that gun. How he says this is it's baffling to me. Stop. It's so California. It really is ridiculous. But um, we are still receiving tips and we still will continue to review those tips and hopefully more information will come forward. We have some video footage that we're going to show you here today. It's going to be a very short video. And when you all see the video, I want you to pay close attention to the uneven stride that this person has. Again, this person is a person of interest. Again, we have no evidence that connects this person as committing any of these crimes. 
but it's a person that we are interested in talking to. Folks, they have seen this person in the video at multiple crime scenes. So whether that's two or two or more or three or four, they're not saying, but the person who they're showing this video of has, has shown up on multiple video at multiple shootings. So that's what makes him a person of interest. He's unidentifiable from the video. It's really, the video is just a silhouette. But I wish this chief would uh, be a little more forthcoming. Also with that, we also want you to notice just how upright this person's posture is. You know, I like to think we all have a normal gait and walk about us when we walk around. But this person's posture is extremely upright and, and it's noticeable. That's something else that you'll be able to notice on a video once we show that. With that, as far as interconnecting these cases, we've done that through ballistics. And once you start working with ballistics, the process gets very slow. It, it takes a long time to confirm. You know, that's not true. That is totally not true. You get the ballistics, you put it into IBIS, it gets a hit that night. What is this guy talking about? I mean, I just, I, I, he's like, almost trying not to make this a serial killer and a pattern. I find that uh, disingenuous. I don't know why he's doing this. You get the ballistics from the scene. The ballistics goes into IBIS, Integrated Ballistics Identification System. It comes back in seconds. Um, the information, and it takes a long time to get those official reports. But we do have ballistic evidence that are, are, are linking our cases in a company with some video footage as well. We have seven cases linked, and I'm just gonna give some quick stats on these cases. Uh, we find that the average age of the victim is 42. We find that the sex of the victims are, are mostly male. We also find that the races are, are mostly Hispanic as well. I'm gonna talk about the days between these incidences that we believe may have a connection. Between the incident one and two, there are six days. In between incident two and three, there's 448 days, which is quite some time. From So when he did the first two shootings, he there was like over a year went by, uh, 14 months went by before the serial killer shot someone again. I mean, this is like watching paint dry listening to this guy. When incident two happened as compared to when incident three had occurred. Incident between incident three and four, it was 34 days. Between incidents four and five, it was 19 days. Between incidents five and six, it was 22 days. And between incidents six and seven, it was six days. Of these seven, one of them occurred outside the city. It, it occurred in Oakland. And we've been partnering with Oakland Police Department to um, have have tabletop discussions as far as what information we have. Another development we've had is we had the opportunity to interview our only surviving victim. Uh, the circumstances regarding this victim took place last year. This was a black female adult. I think I'm going to show you the um, rather than listening to this chief here. I'm going to show you the video of the female victim. Uh, she, um, let's see if I can pull it up here. Let me see if I can come up with this. Uh, my technical skills are, um, huh. let's see if I can get this up quick. A chilling detail of the alleged Central Valley serial killer from the only person known to have survived one of his attacks. As NBC Bay Area's Valina Jones explains, the victim says she believes many of the other killings could have been avoided if police had done one thing differently. There was, there, you know, there was no words exchanged. She didn't say anything. Um, didn't come any closer. Just started Shooting. For Natasha, the past 18 months have been filled with nightmares. I cry a lot yeah. because, I mean, I just get, uh, 
It all started when she was shot multiple times and left for dead in Stockton. Now ballistic evidence is linking her shooting to a gun used in the killing of six other people, including an Oakland man in separate attacks. In a wide-ranging interview with the 209 Times, Natasha explained she was living in a homeless encampment when the gunman appeared and opened fire, hitting her 10 times. I ran towards them knowing that I'd have to get closer to the street if I wanted to survive. Because I, I wanted to lay down. I just wanted to go to sleep. I mean, it, it was, it, it, there's a burning that's, that's, it, it's, it's incredible. I was dying. She's now believed to be the suspect's only known survivor and one of his earliest targets. Natasha was attacked days after the gunman killed a man in Oakland. And tonight, she believes, had police taken her seriously back then, there wouldn't be more victims. And then my calls were all unanswered. I mean, and, and, um, and my concerns were all avoided. I mean, and, um, and, and, you know, and now there's five people dead. Just days ago, police released this video of a person of interest linked to the killings. Natasha believes it's the same person that attacked her. And Stockton police say many of the shooter's victims appear to be homeless. What the motive is, what we do believe is that it's, it's mission-oriented, right? This person's on a mission. Now sober yes. and off the streets, you Natasha credits the attack for saving her life. And investigators hope her information and a $125,000 reward will help find the suspect before they try to kill again. Each and every one of those victims, you know, you know, they, they meant something. You know, there's somebody something. In Oakland, Valina Jones, NBC Bay Area News. Interesting. You know, I think that rather than um, than the chief, the Stockton chief, um, looking for reasons not to find commonality between these cases, he should he should find commonality and, and realize that these these are connected. Because how is it how is it helping him uh, to say that these cases aren't connected? It, it's so. It's so important to connect them because this way we have a much better chance uh, to find out who the shooter is. And as I said earlier on, um, the there's a task force, all right? They have the, um, the ATF, the California Highway Patrol, uh, of course, the Stockton Police Department, and um, the DEA is working in a task force. And with this task force, uh, they meet um, twice a day. They meet twice a day and they compare notes. Uh, I'm just inviting Joe Murray. I sent him the stream yard if he wants to jump on, uh, jump on and join me today as a guest. I didn't know Joe would be uh, would be in the audience. So again, what? Why is there a, is there a task force with this? Obviously. These are complicated cases. Someone just said to me recently, shouldn't we check the bus routes and the um, the public transportation routes in the area of these shootings? And um, my answer to that is absolutely. Here we go. Here's the geographic areas of the shootings. However, my feelings are, and I could be wrong, as I always say, I've been wrong before. I could be wrong, but I feel that the shooter uh, has a car because if he's taking public transportation, that means he's exposed that much more, that much more out on the street, exposed to people seeing um, seeing who he is, uh, seeing seeing him walking around on the street, and the, a serial killer such as this wants to do the dirty deed and he wants to get the hell off the street as quickly as possible. So that's why I feel, and I, again, I could be wrong. He could be absolutely be taking public transportation, but my feelings are based on my past experiences. I think that he's probably has a car. And I had mentioned in an earlier episode that I believe he's what's known as an organized offender, an organized serial killer which some of the traits of an organized serial killer is that he's uh, he's above average intelligence. He has a job. He thinks a lot. He plans a lot. His shootings. Um, he may even take artifacts from the scene of the shootings to remember the shootings by, but he, he is, he 
thinks about his crimes, and he's highly intelligent. And usually, he owns a car. Man, on today's press conference with Stockton police, we learned the investigation is much bigger than previously thought. And for the first time, we're seeing a person of interest on video. There's persons on a mission. A mission to kill, says Stockton Police Chief Stanley McFadden. The chief released this clip of the man they call a person of interest, quite possibly the serial killer that's linked to seven shootings, all but one deadly. We've seen this person of interest on more than one of the incidences, so it's absolutely someone we want to talk to. The incidents, the chief says, date back to April of 2021, much earlier than investigators thought. And today we learn the first victim, a 40-year-old Hispanic man, was shot and killed, not in Stockton, but in Oakland, April 10th of last year. Six days later, a black woman, the first and only female victim, was shot in Stockton, but she survived. The chief says she was homeless. She was in her tent when she heard someone walking around her campsite. When she came out of her tent, she encountered someone holding a gun at her. Fast forward to July of this year, some 448 days later, the suspect shot and killed again in Stockton, a male. Since then, four more men in Stockton have been shot and killed. The most recent murder happened one week ago. None of the victims was robbed or beaten. The average age is 42. Most are Hispanic men. All were alone in a dark area. We've had male. We've had female. We've had different races. So at this time, we don't know exactly what they're targeting. The chief says more than one suspect could be to blame. But for this person of interest, he notes his uneven stride and extremely upright posture. He's described as five foot ten to six feet tall with a thin build. Race unknown. Police say when he shot his lone female victim, he was wearing a COVID-style face mask. Stockton Mayor Kevin Lincoln rallied the community to stick together. That's the least that we could do for these families is help bring some sort of justice and closure to these families. So far, no known motive, and the chief says ballistics evidence links all seven cases. And today, that reward has increased to $125,000. Last night when I was on the air with you two, it stood at $95,000. Businesses have put forward funds. And then just a few moments ago, the ATF announced an award for some $25,000. So it's growing. All right, so we've heard before of a tax site on the homeless. Was the woman the only one who was homeless? In no, the there were others who were homeless. Almost, but because they are, there were also uh, residents who were housed yeah. as well. He doesn't. They don't know the common link between any of these victims now, which makes it all that more difficult yeah. to figure it out. A lot of you know, folks. There is a common link. I don't know why this chief is choosing to point to things that aren't in common rather than what is in common. Most of the victims are male Hispanics. Say that. Say that. One woman, we had a woman, she was a female black, and she was homeless. These are, are connecting, these connect the cases. This chief, I don't know where he was a cop. I mean, he's saying things that make no sense. Yes, link the things that make this case uh, very similar. L li link the things that bring the commonality, not the things that, uh, you know, I want to show you the one, of the, I think one of the reasons that they don't want to say serial killer because it raises up the neighborhood and it makes everyone crazy. Like, Oh my God, we got a serial killer loose. And one of those instances uh, was back in the early nineties with the beltway sniper. And that uh, really, upended the Washington, D.C. area and just made the whole area just not just paranoid, but there was a real fear of getting shot by the, this person. Virginia and D.C. were gunned down, multiple others seriously wounded. They were going about their daily lives, pumping gas, shopping, mowing the grass, reading a book. That made it so real that anyone was truly a victim target, potentially. For three weeks, Carol and the team followed up on the thousands of tips called in by citizens. We had whiteboards where we would keep the priority leads and the priority targets, and then there'd be another shooting. And it's like, okay, well, that, that whiteboard's now not in play. We got to start a new one. Carol says a call from one of the snipers gave them their big break. 
He didn't give his name, but it was 17-year-old Lee Boyd Malvo. He told law enforcement in Montgomery County he and Muhammad were responsible for an earlier shooting in Montgomery, Alabama. Law enforcement there had a catalog with a fingerprint that was dropped at the scene, but there were no matches for it in the Alabama state system. I think it was an FBI agent that hand-carried it to us, and we ran that, and we got Lee Boyd Malvo, who had been fingerprinted by the INS earlier that year. It was another call, this time from a friend of John Allen Muhammad, which Carol says led to his identification. Here's how she remembers the conversation. I really hate to say this, but I think your shooter could be a friend of mine from the Army. And we said, did you ever meet him in the companionship of someone named Lee Boyd Malvo? And he said, well, he had a companion with him that fits that description, but his nickname was Sniper. And we sent that man a photograph of Malvo because we had just identified him. And he said, yes, that's him. And we felt like, okay, now we have him. Investigators then identified the Chevy Caprice the snipers were driving and released the license plate number to the media. Leads that once didn't mean anything started to bring the case together. The end of the crime spree came with one last call, this time from a refrigerator repairman at a rest stop in Myersville, Maryland. He kept the notes on that license plate, and when he saw it, he called in. That's how we found him. Malvo was supposed to be keeping watch at that time, but fortunately, he fell asleep in the car. Carol says the snipers were always locked and loaded. ATF produced this video to demonstrate how detectives believe the suspects used that caprice as a killing machine. There's no doubt in my mind if they'd have heard law enforcement approaching that it would have been a gunfight. Three weeks of fear for our area came to an end with the arrests of Muhammad and Malvo. This memorial honors those they killed. April Carroll would spend the next seven years of her life dedicated to this case, assigned as team leader to the prosecution task force and attending Muhammad's 2009 execution with the families of the victims. No matter what age you were, you'll remember this, I think, for a lifetime. Laura Geller, WUSA 9. Now, Carol was... Folks, one of the reasons I show that, it shows just the panic and the uh, the craziness a, a serial shooter can cause in an area. And I think that that could be one of the reasons why in Stockton, it seems to me that this chief is doing a tap dance about, they've just admitted to the fact that all seven cases are matches ballistically. To me, that means it's the same shooter. Could it be a different shooter? It could be, but that, that would be rare. This guy's got the gun. He's using the same gun that he's comfortable with, and the ballistics all matches. And for this chief to say it takes a long time to match the ballistics, that's simply not true. I don't know where, where he's getting that from. Um, I came up, this is one of the, uh, the um, computer database where ballistics can be matched. It's called the IBIS system. And it stands for Integrated Ballistics Identification System. And I went through a lot of um, instruction in the last two episodes to show you some of the identifiers on both projectiles and on spent uh, shells. And I'll show it again. This is a, um, a casing extraction and ejection marks on a spent casing. And you're seeing two of the same. And the marks are made by the extraction or the ejector in a semi-automatic handgun, which when a gun is fired, a semi-automatic, the slide uh, goes, goes in reverse after the gun is uh, slid, and it ejects the spent shell, and at the same time it goes forward and chambers a new round, a brand new round that's in the magazine that's, that's inside uh, the handle of the gun or the grip of the gun. So that this identifying mark is read by something called brass catcher and it goes in the IBIS system and it can be identified within seconds. And then it's, it goes out and especially in a case like this where they have a serial shooter and they got six murders and seven total shootings on screen. Now is that's a, 
projectile and what you see are lands and grooves. And these are very particular to the round that went through a very specific firearm. And it can be identified when the ballistics is recovered. And that's also put under a microscope by a ballistic, usually detective, who is also what we consider a scientist. And it's compared, and it can be compared to the very gun that it was fired from. But usually on the scene of these shootings, for the fact that it's a semi-automatic, this is what's going to be on the scene, these spent uh, casings. Or, you know, we would call them spent shell. Uh, that's the, the street vernacular for it. But the proper scientific vernacular would be a spent uh, casing. And that's what would be identified. That's what the woman who survived, she was shot seven times, six hits, and one didn't penetrate. So as there should be seven casings in the vicinity of where she was shot. And that those identifiers would be compared with the previous shootings. And that's how the chief finally admitted today that all seven shootings, the ballistic, the ballistics matches. They just admitted to that. What you're seeing on the screen now is a ballistics tank. This is where um, the gun is fired into. Uh, I'll give you a better view. You can see the detective pointing the gun down into the water. It's actually fired into wa water. And the projectile slows down and then sinks to the bottom. And the investigator will get a stick, actually with gum on it, and remove the projectile from the tank and put it under a microscope and compare it to the gun in question. So that's how all ballistics work is done. This gentleman you see on the screen, he's an FBI a profiler. And in a lot of these instances, you always see him on News Nation and CNN, and he's like a talking head. But in a lot of these instances, these FBI profilers, um, they're not on it. They're not, they, they, their predictions are not very accurate. And specifically, I say that because in the Beltway Sniper, they weren't even close to pointing out I believe they they all many of them predicted that the shooter was a male white in his thirties, lived with his mother, all kinds of nonsense like that. Someone pointed out to me that oh, but they they were accurate in uh, Ted Kaczynski. Ted, but they they weren't accurate in Ted Kaczynski. Ted Kaczynski's brother turned him in. So some of these instances, they may say, oh, we predicted he was going to be this, but th that's not what got him caught. You know. Um, what what got him caught was was you know was information going out there. What in this case, they should also have a very big tips one eight hundred five seven seven tips. That's what we use in New York City, and have people call in because some potentially someone knows this guy. This this guy is someone's this guy is someone's brother. This guy is someone's neighbor. This guy is someone's friend, and. That is how you're going to capture this guy. The other thing is arrest the briefings. People that get arrested, talk to them. See if they know anything about this. And that all of that is tried and true police work. You should always be concerned and be very aware of your surroundings. Um, however, don't panic. Right now, Stockton police believe that a potential serial killer has now been active since April of this year. Two new victims have been identified. One of the victims died, the other survived. The gunman shot both of them in the early morning hours. This now brings the total to seven. The Stockton Police Department is baffled by the string of killings, and they're now saying it's a potential serial killer or killers. Devin Truby spent the morning in the community of the most recent shooting and joins us with the community's response. Stockton police do not have any information at this time on why these individuals were targeted. And there doesn't appear to be any motivation for drug or gang related activity. In fact, the only thing connecting all of these people right now is the fact that they were alone when it happened and it was dark. For Dion, who bikes in the area, he says it's not about the fear of living in Stockton because he knows the police will catch the suspect. It, it's not really changed, it's changed, 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 changed me for the fact that because, um, 
I, I don't I don't really come out at nighttime. You know what I mean? I'm always inside and stuff like that. You know, um, my daughter and she's inside at all time too. So the only thing that me is just that coming out, coming out, coming outside and knowing that there's, there's a killer. That's what most residents are worried about: their loved ones. Gil Garcia lives in between two of the shooting locations connected to the killer. As bad as this town has had reputation in the past, we love this town. We think the people are great, but something like this has never happened. Residents say they don't want their community to continue to have this bad reputation of violence, and they won't be leaving. You can't let one or two or 10 or 12 individuals you say take over the city of 350,000 people you know police putting the community on alert saying the alleged serial killer is very bold and very brazen authorities only have this photo to share of a person of interest dressed in all black with a black hat who was seen on camera at multiple crime scenes now another hurdle for police to jump right now is the fact that there isn't any video yet of the actual shooting so they're asking the community to come forward if anyone has any video or details also, don't have any information yet about the weapon. Devin Truby, thank you. Stockton police have just announced a $95,000 reward for any information leading to an arrest. Police are going to be holding a press conference today. We're just learning this at 3 o'clock. We'll bring you the very latest online and on our next broadcast as well. So, folks, you could see why, as a, as a municipality, as a town, as a jurisdiction, the chief and the mayor, they're absolutely terrified of releasing and using that word serial, S-E-R-I-A-L, serial killer. They don't want to use that because right away the press, uh, the community, they get terrified. However, don't you owe it to protect the community to know everything you know, what they're up against? I think they they do. I think you've got to let the community know that there is a serial killer out there. And this is these are the hours that he hits. This is the locations. So perhaps you should stay in the house. During, but, you know, they don't want to say that either. However, you know, the people need to know what, you know, what's going on and so they can defend themselves. You know, there was no scarier serial killer than the Night Stalker in, in California. Uh, it was, I mean, first of all, I watched that case last year on um, Netflix, and I've never seen a more heinous, more evil killer than, than Richard Ramirez. Just absolutely horrendous. And I'm going to play a little bit of this so you get an idea of what it was all about. And dangerous killer. They also say they have a good description, a psychological profile, even a vehicle description, but nothing more. Joe Rico for NBC News, Los Angeles. Californians have come to know him as the Night Stalker. He strikes in the night and police say he has killed 14 people. Yesterday he struck again and Heidi Shulman reports people are wondering when and where he will strike next. Police are getting hundreds of calls from frightened citizens, but have not identified the man Californians are calling the Night Stalker. He's blamed for 14 murders in 34 separate attacks. The crimes began in the Los Angeles area, but last week, the killer struck in San Francisco and yesterday morning in Mission Viejo. There, a man was shot in the head, his girlfriend sexually assaulted. Los Angeles County Sheriff Sherman Block. Nobody knows where this individual may strike next. There is some pattern to the attacks. Often victims' homes are yellow and near freeways. The killer enters through an unlocked door or window. And in some cases, he's left a message, a signature. Police won't reveal that signature, but psychologists say it may mean he wants to be caught. They also warn he could become even more dangerous. The serial murderer will tend to become uh, used to his acts of violence and therefore it becomes more easy to do. There is a compulsive element, a drive kind of element, which pushes them to continue to repeat these crimes until the point that they're caught. Many Southern Californians are seeking protection. I like to sleep with the windows open and stuff, especially during this hot weather, but closing everything up. 
And last night we had everything locked up, had the dog in the house, and even though it was hot, I'd rather be safe than sorry. I mean, it's frightening. Psychologists say fear and publicity may be what the Night Stalker wants, but police hope it will also lead to someone spotting him before he murders again. Heidi Shulman, NBC News, Los Angeles. So, folks, you see how important it is to let everyone know. And as a matter of fact, uh, near the end of this whole crime spree, um, the Night Stalker was actually caught by the community. His picture was um, published on the front page of all newspapers in the um, Los Angeles area. And people spotted him on the street and they would have beat him to death had he not been saved by responding police. Uh, The community had had it with this guy. They had read of his horrendous, horrendous deeds. and, you know, when they saw him on the street, they they wanted to, to beat him to death. Um, so what we're talking about here is we have a distinct, a very distinct pattern, all right? And that's why I, I'm a little annoyed when the chief says there's nothing a, a patternable here or, or connecting. There's lots of things connected here. First of all, geographically, yes, does it go outside of the geography? Yes, yes. Does it go outside of male Hispanics? Yes, there was a female black and there was a female white. But isn't commonality? Couldn't he also have mistaken the male white and the female black for a male Hispanic? It was late at night. It was dark. Let's put together the commonality so we can hopefully thwart what this guy is doing. The other thing is, and I recommended this, is that you... You get undercover cops, you get plainclothes cops and put them around and within some of these homeless encampments, have them speaking, have them within uh, going to food pantries, going to churches, going to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings, go to places a lot of homeless people will frequent. That might be the way to flush this guy out. All right. You got to get your hands dirty. Policing is a dirty sport sometimes. Get these guys in the suits and the ties, put them in their jeans and sneakers, let them not shave for a few days, and get them out there with with potential victims. That's what you need. That's what's going to get this guy caught. Not, you know, not shirt and tie, uh, you know, boardroom type police work. Let's get out on the street. You know, let's... uh, as I said, let's get down and dirty. Let's 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 get the detectives. Let's get the ATF. Let's get um, let's get the local police, the Stockton police. Let's put them in plain clothes. Let's get a lot of them out there in plain clothes, and um, let's catch this guy. And that's the way we're going to catch him. Is is if he keeps, you know, unfortunately, he has to keep doing his dirty deed in order to capture him unless someone points him out to us someone says i know who the shooter is and they can interview and interrogate him and get him to admit it april of last year the first stockton shooting linked to a serial killer by ballistics the only known survivor of the killer's gun natasha latour it happened near park and union streets paul yaw the third victim second to be killed It happened in July this year. The killer took more than a year break. Are you concerned that we haven't seen the last of this person? Uh, You know, what I what I say is, you know, you know, serial serial killings occur not frequently in terms of our country, but they are of the nature that when they do occur, they create a heightened sense of anxiety and fear because it's something that's really out of the ordinary. Stockton City Manager Harry Black says he's confident in the Joint Task Force on this case. He says it's a crisis situation, a person linked to more than half a dozen shootings. I asked Black how many investigators are working this case. Large numbers of personnel from each one of those agencies. So a lot of people are engaged in bringing this particular crisis situation to a conclusion. Agencies like the DEA, ATF, California Highway Patrol, and the San Joaquin County Sheriff's Office, all led by Stockton PD. 
The fourth victim, Salvador Debedi, shot on West Lane in August. The fifth victim, Jonathan Hernandez Rodriguez on East Hammer Lane. The sixth victim, Juan Cruz on Manchester Avenue. Candles set out with his initials, JC. And the seventh victim in that, Lorenzo, here we're at his memorial along Porter Avenue. A candle was just lit within the last hour since we've been here. This is that visual reminder that the city manager says is guiding this investigation. I asked about some of those vulnerable populations, including people who lived unhoused, as well as Hispanic males, as many of the victims have fallen into that category. And he said that there is no evidence right now that he's able to share that link the serial killers targets with those individuals but says right now that investigation is focused on all options you know that's ridiculous you know they again they're being politically correct by not giving out the potential races of the targets of this serial killer i think five out of seven were male hispanics don't want you to say that someone in the chat asked me um do we know the race of the shooter? And apparently we do not because all they have is they have sort of what you, you saw the picture. It's like a silhouette. It's, it's not a um, total description is it's a silhouette. And when they say, uh, if you recognize this person, it's sort of a joke. No, you, we don't recognize them because it's just a silhouette. So no, I don't think they do know the race of the shooter. However, I think they do know that he is targeting specifically male Hispanics. And that, that I find that disingenuous. Say it then. They, they, they're being ridiculous. Just like it took them weeks to admit that all the ballistics were connected. What was that about? I find that to be really, really crazy. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. If you like this podcast, and I don't know why you wouldn't, go on our YouTube Hit that subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up. Ring that bell. And if you want to support us, we have a Patreon with three different levels. And we also have a YouTube channel memberships with five different levels. And you see the folks in the chat with the green font. They're part of our YouTube channel members. We appreciate you guys so much for supporting us. And look, I really do. I really do understand why a chief of police or a mayor doesn't want to say we have a serial killer. But the fact is now they certainly do. They have a serial killer. So don't you want to protect the public? I think you do. New York City in 1977 had a serial killer. His name was David Berkowitz. And it lasted for almost a year and it threw the city in the worst type of panic you can imagine. And it hurt businesses a lot. Uh, people were terrified to go out at night. And some of the information that was put out there wasn't so accurate. It was just false information. I want to play a little bit of this. 1970s, and a serial killer walked the streets of New York City for more than a year, terrorizing everyone, especially women, until this man was captured, putting an end to it all, but leaving many with the question, why? Hello, I'm Maurice Dubois. Thanks for joining us for this look back at the son of Sam. David Berkowitz's reign of terror spanned 13 months. He used a 44 caliber handgun to shoot innocent people in three of the city's five boroughs in more than a dozen seemingly random attacks. The crimes led to one of the biggest manhunts in the city's history. Let's go back to the beginning. On July 29th, 1976, Berkowitz attacked his first victims in the Bronx when he shot two 18-year-old women, Jody Valenti and Donna Loria. They were sitting in Valenti's car when they were shot, and Loria did not survive. On October 23rd and November 27th in Queens, four more people were shot. They all survived. Two months later, in January of 77, he struck again. 26-year-old Christine Frund and her fiancé, John Deal, were shot as they sat in Deal's car in Flushing. He survived. Frund, who was hit twice, later died. Berkowitz waited another two months before showing up in Flushing again to kill 19-year-old college student Virginia Boscarician as she walked home. 
On April 17, 1977, 18-year-old Valentina Suriani and her boyfriend, 20-year-old Alexander Esau, were sitting in Suriani's car near her home in the Bronx when they were each shot twice and died. For the first time, the 44 caliber killer, as he was known, left a handwritten note for the police at the crime scene. It is there that he referred to himself as son of Sam and promised to commit more killings. David Berkowitz's killing spree ended almost exactly one year after it began on July 31st, 1977. That is when 20-year-old Robert Violante and 18-year-old Stacy Moskowitz were shot in Violante's car in Brooklyn. Violante would lose his left eye. Moskowitz would die 18 hours after the attack. The shootings were the first to take place in the borough of Brooklyn and the first involving a victim with blonde hair. Reed Collins of CBS News had this report. At 5.22 p.m. Monday, Stacy Moskowitz stopped living. The doctors said they had not turned off the life support. It was just that the horrible damage done by a 44 caliber bullet in the brain was too much. 40 minutes after their daughter died, the parents spoke to reporters. Even though I lost some dear, I found many friends who I'll never forget. And I thank you for being kind and for your sympathies. I hope he suffers for the rest of his life. I hope he never has a minute's peace. I hope he suffers and, and just eats his heart out with a cancer because he's nothing, he's not human, he's not human. To do this to a young girl and a young boy, if I was the child, that woman has a son that's blind. To do this to young people, he can't be normal, he's not normal. And I would give anything, I would give my life right here and now. My daughter is dead, but I would die right here and now to see this man punished. The city is preoccupied with the killer who in one note signed himself the son of Sam. The latest victims were shot in Brooklyn, a new area for the assailant. An element of fear pervades neighborhoods which have not known fear before. And it's something that we all have to worry about. What is your wife saying? She wouldn't even come out tonight. You know, she cried tonight when she heard that the girl died, Stacy Marsquist died. And, uh, you know, I said that I was going to take her right out and see what the feeling was out here, and she didn't want to come. She doesn't want to leave the house until he's caught. She wants to stay home because she's frightened. Beefed up task force of 300 is working on the case now, sifting for clues, manning telephones, answering a flood of 8,000 calls in just one day. The one common element to the shootings is a gun, a five-shot 44 caliber revolver made by Charter Arms, one of some 28,000 manufactured. Bullets in all the attacks have come from the same weapon. Whoever holds that weapon has killed six people and wounded seven in one year and three days. The police have a composite sketch of their suspect compiled from witnesses' descriptions. But no one in the city of 8 million knows who is next. Reed Collins, CBS News, New York. Up next, his killing spree comes to an end. How police finally caught up to the son of Sam and what happened after his arrest. Plus an outburst in court from Berkowitz and a victim. Stay with us. Well, folks, one of the... Uh... As I said, this whole case, it was 1977. It lasted a full year. It sent the city of New York into a tizzy. Just everyone was terrified. The information out there that we, he was targeting women with long uh, long brown hair, some of the information was incorrect, as it was in the uh, Beltway Snipers. I remember in the Beltway Sniper case, there was information that they were using a white box truck to shoot people. And that, that was totally incorrect. But, you know, people, witnesses see on the scene, they hear shots and they see a white box truck and they just associate, associate that with the shooter. And that was in the Beltway sniper uh, shootings. Again, that turned out to be wrong. And we all know that the shooter was laying down in the back of a Chevy, uh, laying down in the trunk area and shooting uh, with the trunk closed. And that's what muffled the shots and the ballistics, the spent shells, stayed inside the car. That's why they didn't find any ballistics when in that case. You know, someone asked, one of the things uh, I spoke about earlier on, uh, when you talk about serial killers, you can talk about um, organized and disorganized offenders. And my feelings are is that 
The shooter in this case is an organized offender. And what does that mean to the case? What that means is he's above average intelligence. He probably has a job. Uh, he, may, he, may own, he may own a car. He probably does own a car because most shooters like this, they don't want to expose themselves on the street. Someone had suggested to me that they think he's taking public transportation. And you know something? You could be right. I'm not going to slam that door shut or say, oh, you're wrong because he's an organized defender. He owns a car. He uses a car. But just think of the exposure that that would put him in after a shooting, if he had to go to a bus stop and wait for the bus to get there to get away. So I'm thinking that he probably owns a car, and that's uh, what's taking him back and forth uh, and getting him out of the area quickly. Um, you know, this this gentleman here is an FBI profiler. He could probably tell us more. Again, I, as I said earlier, I don't think that uh, these – Serial profilers necessarily um, do a good job of predicting who the guy is, what his attributes are. I've seen them work before, and I totally lost all sense that they knew what they are talking about when I followed the Beltway sniper case. And that was, uh, it was so, so far off on that that I was just like, oh, there's, there's no way on earth that, that will, I, will I ever believe um one of these um one of these profilers and the information they 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 spoo forth that it's correct i think that they just there's a certain parameters they put in there just like i spoke about um organized and disorganized defenders uh he could be he could be a combination of both disorg he could be dis disorganized also disorganized defender is uh, less than average intelligence attacks in a blitz style attack uh, doesn't plan his um, his crimes very well just more or less acts on impulse I don't think that is this guy as I said I think this guy is definitely a uh, an organized defender uh, as opposed to disorganized so again uh, I'm predicting this but again i could be wrong remain on the run fox 40 zach boeto is live for us in stockton as people are wondering who's responsible for those deaths zach eric people are out and about here tonight on pacific avenue in stockton but we know that all of these fatal shootings have taken place in dimly lit areas either in the very late hours or the very early morning hours and that is where the concern still lies one week has now passed since the public learned about five serial killings in Stockton. We have a series of homicides that we believe are interconnected. Tonight, the killer or killers are still on the run, but Stocktonians aren't letting that stop them from getting out. I try not to panic. <laughs> you know, I try not to panic, but you know, um, God didn't give us the mind of fear. He gave us the mind of love, power, and a soundful mind. Hundreds of people are expected to come here to this church tonight in Stockton, and they tell me they do feel safe. I know it's a time where people are scared, but we feel, you know, you can't live in fear all your life. Sometimes you got to go out and live your life. But we're praying that the Lord would uh, take care of everything and the Lord protect us and we'll all, be, we'll all be good. This week, Stockton police released this video showing a person of interest walking through the Pacific Point Apartments in Stockton and asking for help to identify them. Investigators say this person was seen at multiple crime scenes and may have information about these five killings that all took place within four miles of each other, as well as another killing in Oakland. I mean, we're telling people, you know, as far as you're going out, you know, being safe, you know, the areas of Stockton, you know, there's some areas of Stockton you gotta just be careful of. But in general, you know, we're... Everyone's still going after service, going out and, and living their lives. Law enforcement says they are taking extra measures to protect the community, including extra patrol cars out in the late night and early morning hours. Despite that threat, residents we talk to believe they're built different. As you can see, you know, it's we're from Stockton, so Stockton people are a little tough, so we'll be all right. Of course, the reward of $125,000 is still on the table for information 
that's leading to an arrest in this case. If you have any information, you're asked to call the Stockton Police Department or the Stockton Crime Stoppers to remain anonymous. Reporting live in Stockton, Zach Boletto, Fox 40 News. Killer or killers remain on the run. Fox 40's. Well, Les Pony, thank you so much for the 1999 Super Chat. Your question, how many victims have to be injured for someone to be classified as a serial killer? Uh, Supreme Commander. Uh, according to the, the, the book, um, Practical Homicide Investigation by Vernon Gebert, that used to be um, the Bible for homicide investigators nationally. I don't know if it's been updated enough to still ha have that reverence, but that book said two or more uh, murders fitting certain criteria with breaks in between will classify someone as a serial killer. So that's just two or more. And I believe that's also the FBI's uh, definition, what it is. I get a little crazy, as you guys know, when, when police don't share the information with the public. And believe it or not, and uh, I think we have Lieutenant Peter Pranzo in the chat, sometimes the detective bureau doesn't share information with patrol. That, to me, is also outrageous. You got thousands of patrol officers out there. If you got information that's going to help them and you don't want to put that information out to the public, you can give it to patrol officers. You're endangering them not sharing that information. And Lieutenant Pete, I'm sure you would agree with me with this. You've seen that before in your career. I remember we had this pattern of this guy that would go into elevators and pull out two huge knives and rob people in the elevators. He had, I don't know, done a bunch of them on the Upper West Side. I don't know, five, six, seven. I, I don't really recall. But Manhattan Robbery, who was the robbery squad in the detective bureau that covered Manhattan, they knew who the guy was. And they didn't tell patrol because they wanted to grab him. That That's horrendous because patrol officers could have gotten hurt because they didn't share that information. Manhattan Robbery... We'll lock the guy up and we'll hand them to you. You have the cases, we'll hand them to you. But don't endanger patrol officers by not sharing that information. That's what I think is going on here, too. So, someone also asked in the chat, do I know how many times each victim was shot? And guess what? I don't because they're not offering that information. Uh, they have just admitted to the fact that all of the ballistics in all seven shootings matches. So maybe it will be forthcoming more information about M.O. What is M.O., guys? Do you know? It's a Latin term. It stands for uh, modus operandi, which stands for, in English, method of operation. How the perpetrator operates. How does he operate? You know? He uses, I don't want to spread the rumor because I don't know what caliber, but say he does. He uses a nine millimeter handgun. He parks his car blocks away from, let's say, a homeless encampment. And none of this stuff, I'm creating this what if scenario. This is not factual. He parks his car blocks away from who he his intended victims. He walks into a homeless encampment. He stirs someone up so they get up from sleeping or whatever. And then he fires numerous shots at them, as he did to the female victim. She was shot seven times, hit six times. And what saved her life is her own bravery. She advanced on the shooter and closed the gap, advanced on him. And the seventh shot didn't penetrate. And then I think she fell to the ground and he probably took off. That's part of modus operandi, method of operation, you know. How does he get away? Oh, he runs back to his car. Again, none of this, what I'm saying, is factual. It's what ifs. It's me creating a, a scenario. Modus operandi, all right. So that's all important because guess how you catch these people? Modus operandi. What was the son of Sam's modus operandi? Some of it was, well, he used a 44 caliber bulldog revolver and he perused or he stalked lovers' lanes and caught couples inside a vehicle and shot them while they were kissing or doing, doing whatever. 
That was his MO. Is that important to know for the police? Absolutely. If they're going to target that to try to protect couples and lovers' lanes, let's see who's hanging out there, right? Let's pull over cars. Let's pull over cars cruising around this neighborhood of Stockton that may be fit the description. You got a license, registration, insurance card. You don't. Okay, step out of the car. Give them a little bit of a stop, question, and frisk. I know to a lot of people you mention those words, stop, question, and frisk. It's a dirty word these days. Oh, my God, stop, question, and frisk. The police still have the right to do that, all right? Especially in a car stop when things escalate by not having proper paperwork. Stop, question, okay. You stopped based on reasonable suspicion. You questioned based on reasonable suspicion. You don't have any paperwork. Guess what? I can lock you up right now for probable probable cause and issue you summonses and search your car for my safety. Guess what's in the car? The gun, maybe. The gun that this shooter may be using. Intelligent police work, all right? I know cops might not be thinking this way with all the beatdowns they've taken from the public and from uh, being questioned on their actions. But you know something? This is a serial killer. This is a serial killer. This is something we have to take very, very seriously. We got to get this guy off the street. Lieutenant Pete agrees with me. I don't know out of the 50 things I just said, he agrees with all of them. <laughs> Thank you, Lieutenant Pete. I can always count on you to uh, uh, to agree with me. Joe Murray, us patrol cops are the backbone of the NYPD. That's always true, Joe. We learned that in the police academy. Patrol, the uniform cops out there 24-7, 365. They are the backbone of any police department. Absolutely true, Joe. Absolutely true, Lieutenant Pete. Uh, Agatee, I hope you're not talking about me. I hope you're talking about the perpetrator. Girl interrupted. He has some issues, and he is angry. <laughs> you could be talking about me. No, I don't think so. I think you're talking about the shooter. Um, yeah, look, all serial killers have issues. They have psychosexual issues usually. Why are they shooting people? What's the reason, you know? Uh, Phil Leo, practical homicide investigation by retired NYPD Lieutenant Vernon Gebreth. Expensive, $100 plus very graphic professional class book. Yeah, it's a, it's I have that book. It's a great reference. Um, anyone that's in the chat that wants to learn a lot about homicide investigation, I would recommend that book. It's called Practical Homicide Investigation by Vernon Gebberth. I think it might be up to fifth edition. I think I have the fourth edition. But outstanding book. Some of the pictures are extremely, extremely graphic. And it's not a book you leave out on your coffee table to have some friends come over and start perusing the book. They may they may quietly sneak out your front door and be like, oh my God, she owns this book or he owns this book. I'm getting out of here, you know? But it's a great reference book. And for all you, um, and believe me, I'm not, uh, I'm not doing a commercial for this book. I'm just recommending this book because it's that good of a book. I, I had it at work. I used it. Folks, if you're looking for a great attorney in the New York City area, a defense attorney that would be, retired police officer, NYPD police officer Joe Murray, outstanding attorney and you can get Joe on his cell at 718-514-3855. You can email him at joe at jmurray-law.com. His website is jmurray-law.com. Not only is Joe a fantastic attorney, but he's a huge, huge, huge supporter of Police Off the Cuff. has supported us since we've been on the air. One of our biggest fans. In fact, I saw him in the chat today, and I wanted to see if he would jump on the show. But... He was driving around town with Angie, and uh, he couldn't come on the air. Next time, Joe. You know, the thing is, when I put Joe on the show, he's he's more popular than me. So all you guys in the chat are like, oh, it's Joe, the Silver Fox. <laughs> so maybe I shouldn't invite him on the show so often. But I I, I love to have him on the show. He's, uh, he's a hell of a guy. Um, Natasha was shot April 2021. Cindy Newfield. Natasha was shot April 21, uh, 2021. Why did they ignore her? All these shootings, murders could have been prevented 
Had they even talked to her at the time she was shot, they did not contact her until last week. You know, Cindy, that's that's despicable. That's not a good thing. If she's telling us the truth, and I don't see any reason why she wouldn't be, why did they not give her shooting the attention it deserved? It turns out now it was part of this pattern of this serial killer. So now she's an important witness. She's the only one that saw this guy. Can she tell us things about this shooter that no one else can? Height, weight, race. Did he say anything, right? After he, he fired the shots, where did he run away or did he walk away? What was his demeanor? All of those things we can only get from her because she's the only one that lived and saw this guy, you know? Right now, all he is is a silhouette. He's a silhouette, and that's that's all we have. Folks, I'm going to be following this case as soon as there's new information on this case. It seems like in this 24-7, 365 news cycle that things are always changing. Things are always uh, happening on all these cases. Uh, I know Duty Ron covered... Uh, the Kylie Rodney case, there was a new happening in that case where they actually had video of her vehicle going into Presa Reservoir at the exact time where it showed they said that it was the last ping on her phone. So it's really sort of very important information. So all of this, this new information on all the cases we've been covering, I just want you guys to know that I will be covering this case. And as soon as I have new information, I'll be right on the air. Guys, I want to thank everybody that came by today, and I want to thank everyone that supports Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. Have a great Sunday. God bless, and if you like football, enjoy the football games today. Have a great day. One episode, just